Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellefson with the Digital Education Podcast. And I'm going on almost four years of doing this podcast. And this is a first for me because I get to meet with Andrew Campanella. And Andrew is the president of National School Choice Week, the largest public awareness effort in the U.S. focusing on opportunity in K-12 education. Andrew is also the author of the School Choice Roadmap, Seven Steps to Finding the Right Choice for Your Child. Um, and it's a guidebook that helps parents identify education environments that meet their children's needs. And we're going to talk about that because that's something that I'm really, really intrigued by, Andrew. Um, but prior to that, he was um, prior to this work, he was a part of um, senior level positions at American Federation for Children and the Alliance for School Choice. And he grew up in New Jersey and, and lives in, if I'm correct, Miami, Florida now. Yep, so, that's so, right. So, Andrew, thanks for being with us. Thanks for, for being with me and, and, and talking about this work of creating great opportunities for kids. But the first place, let's start with there. How, how did you get to this place about caring about this sort of issue, this sort of work, and, and, and getting students to the best place for them? Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. I got involved in education uh, almost by chance. It was, I would say, an accidental enlightening. And here's what happened. I went to college um, after having gone to, gone to traditional public schools from grades K through 12 in New Jersey, Southern New Jersey. And I had a really awesome experience uh, in both elementary, middle and high school. I had incredible teachers. I felt like I got a really high quality education and naively, very naively, I thought that everybody in this country, every student was getting the same type of education that I was. You know, I thought I was aware of challenges that other folks were going through across the country. I thought I was enlightened, but I wasn't. And I really realized that when after college, I started volunteering with a group of students in Washington, DC, who were involved in a civics education extracurricular program called Youth in Government, where they learn about how the city council works, legislatures, things like that. And when I talked with a lot of these students, they would tell me stories about their own educational experiences that just threw me for a loop. Uh, students would tell me that they never had a teacher stay in the classroom for a full school year since the time they started school. And these were kids who were in high school. And then we would ask them to do some writing and they would really struggle with some of even the most basic writing. And it dawned on me then that I was lucky, that I had the opportunity to get an education that met my needs. And that set me up, aside from having great parents and um, you know other things that have led to the fact that I've been lucky and privileged you know, to have a good life. And other kids didn't necessarily have that opportunity. And it made me think about education as something that really is essential. And so when I saw jobs available, I was working in a completely different field. I saw jobs available and I saw a job at an organization that recruited teachers. And I applied for the job not knowing anything about 
teacher recruitment policy. But when I did the interview, I told them that I would be a sponge and I would learn as much as I could about it. And I got the job. And when I started there, I did exactly what I promised I would do. I learned as much about education policy as I possibly could. And as I worked with career changers who wanted to become certified as teachers, I found that there were challenges in the K-12 education system that created barriers for potential educators and also for families. For educators, I found that no matter how talented you were or how motivated you were, it was very difficult, bureaucratically difficult to become certified as a teacher. Somebody who might be a banker or a rocket scientist who has a a master's degree or a doctorate, but have to go back in many cases and get a whole nother bachelor's degree to be able to teach. Didn't make much sense to me. Uh, and then when it came to families, I saw even more barriers. Families who would say, this school might be a good fit for all the other kids here, but it's not a good fit for my child. What should I do? And I never had a good answer. I didn't have a good answer for those families. And saying to parents, just wait, things might get better, or well, you were one of the unlucky ones, didn't seem to me fair. That's what led me to discover school choice and the opportunity um, that could exist for families to be able to select from a menu of different quality options for their kids. Traditional public schools, public charter schools, public magnet schools, private schools, online schools, homeschooling. And once I got involved in school choice, I realized that there weren't a lot of groups that were talking about all of those options equally, except for this new awareness campaign called National School Choice Week, which had just started up. So I got involved in that and fast forward 12 years, I've been the president for a decade and uh, we've grown significantly and hopefully we're helping as many parents as possible navigate this process. So I know that was an incredibly long answer to your short question, but that's my background. Well, and I love it, right? Because there is, there's, there's that, that realization, I think that, that, you, you know, you had in your story of saying, I was lucky, right? I, and I thought this was normative. Um, and then to see that and say, hey, I want what I got for as many people as possible. Um, and that's one of the things that I've always appreciated about you and your work, because this is not a, you know, I think one of the great myths out there is that it's, it's for opting out of the system into other, you know, non, you know, traditional system options. And, and you mentioned it there, public schools, charter schools, magnet schools, pilot schools, you know, the, the religious schools, all homeschool. And now all of a sudden we see this just burgeoning micro school and learning pod movement and all these sorts of things. Help me understand a little bit more of your perspective on school choice and how just a broad array of types of schools fit into those options um, in, in this work. Right. So I am one of the people out there who believes that parents are the best judges of quality when it comes to education and parents are the best people most qualified to determine what types of schools best meet their kids individual needs because every child is unique kids have different interests they have different talents talents and they also face different challenges and so i think it's a mistake for people to talk about school choice and then make their argument for school choice based on the 
notion or the message that they think one type of school doesn't work for any or enough kids in this country. And that's why parents need to be able to choose a different option that ostensibly would be better for all or most kids. I don't think that that messaging works because there are a lot of families out there who, if given the chance, would stay in their current public school, just like I did, or would choose a different public school in their district or outside of their zone or another district. And so school choice should not be about elevating an alternative to public education as somehow better than public education writ large for all kids or most kids. Instead, it should be about parents making the decision about which option is best for their child and saying, look, if we look equally at all these different options, public, charter, magnet, private, online, and home, within a menu of six options, as long as families have those options and have quality options within those sectors, let's let parents decide what works best. And so that's why we at School Choice Week, and I personally never go after any one type of school and say that it's failing, that it's not doing a good enough job, because those arguments to me are really simplistic and reductive, and they don't reflect how parents look at the choices they have. Well, and, and I love that perspective because we just know that there's good work happening all over the place in education. I'm, I'm a former public school teacher. I was a union leader and then I was a private school leader, right? So it's like right. this weird. So I've had the experience where I've seen the best of all of it. And I've also seen the crummy of all of it too, right? And that gives me the energy to do the work that I'm doing. But it, that, that creates a much more complex and dynamic system, correct? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I think we've lost in this country, and it's not just related to debates over education, but it's related to discussions over almost any policy topic or social topic, and that is nuance. Are there schools out there that need to improve so that they can serve more of their students with higher quality education? Absolutely. Are there schools of all types that could improve? Absolutely. Are there schools that do great jobs educating the vast majority of kids they are serving? Yes, and that's true of all types of schools. So instead of saying, let's pick a winner and a loser for all kids out there, let's make parents the decision makers and allow them to choose. And I think that that's a better way of approaching this because I believe that parents can make good decisions and when given the chance do make good decisions, the biggest barrier to families is not something like information because parents can get it. It is not their own academic background because I found parents who've never even graduated from high school make incredible decisions for their kids. It's usually people run out of time. That's why we have school choice week every January. We want people to start looking at schools this month in advance of the next school year. It's not just good because there's a lot of seats open right now. You can find um, a seat in a school that you might like, but it creates a good feedback loop for schools. So if a school sees increased parent demand now, they can hire more teachers and expand their potential enrollment for next year. That will help that school serve more people and it'll help more families be able to avail themselves of options. So to answer your question, yes, we've got to look at all options, treat them all equally and respect parents by giving them honest information about this process. 
don't make it political. I, I love that. I love that because it's about the kids, about their educations, about their opportunities and their future and, you know, in our communities. Um, so I, I affirm you in that work. Help, help the listeners understand a little bit of like maybe like your perspective now on 10, a little over a decade now in leadership of, of this organization and this, this work. Give us a perspective on like where it's come from to. Yeah. And, and then as you prep for, for National School Choice Week, like wh- what's the cool stuff to keep an eye on that people can enter into? Sure. So let me just give a really quick overview of the work that we do. And it really is two parts. So the first part of the work is, I know we're called National School Choice Week, but our team works year round. And what we do on a year round basis is we research, develop, and promote the nation's largest portfolio of school search resources for parents. And they're all online at our website, schoolchoiceweek.com. So for example, If you live in a specific state, and we have information about every state, you can go on our website and get a written roadmap to understanding how to navigate all of your school choice options, all the way down to how do you apply for specific types of schools? What are the eligibility criteria for certain private schools, et cetera? We have a school search feature on the site where you can type in your zip code and your criteria and find schools near you. So we work on all of that on a year round basis and promote it and encourage families to use it. And then every January, the last week in January, we work with 26,000 schools of all types, as well as homeschool groups and community-based organizations to raise broad awareness of school choice options that are out there and also of the benefits of choice. And the way we do this is by encouraging people to plan in-person and virtual events primarily. So we see a lot of information sessions, school fairs, open houses, parent nights, carnivals, you name it, planned independently by schools all across the country, as well as a lot of other awareness raising activities. For example, lighting up major landmarks in yellow and red to talk so people can get excited for School Choice Week. And all of this is to raise awareness so that there's a huge amount of buzz and parents realize that this is the time to start looking and that they might and likely do have more options uh, than they think they have. So what to look forward to for School Choice Week this year coming up January 23rd through the 29th. We have an incredible kickoff. It's going to be online January 24th. And we have students from each of the 50 states who have contributed to it. It's video, it is awesome. Uh, We have some incredible events going on. We're keeping them healthy and safe. Um, And we've got participation. More than 900 schools have told us exactly how they're participating. And uh, just to see how students are involved in this and the projects they come up with, whether it's doing their own podcasts or doing videos to promote their school, or doing community service projects to help people in their communities. I am inspired every single day when I see kids who love to learn. That's beautiful. And, and so like if a couple of things, if I'm a school, if I'm an educator, or if I'm a, te- uh, a parent, or maybe even that student, like what can I do or what would be your encouragement to those people who might be listening that say, hey, you know what, come join in this, join in this process, join in this awareness that that even if you, 
you know, I mean, I, I'm going to just go back to the traditional, even if you go to your local boundary school, right. Like that, you still had the option of, you, you had the opportunity right. to make a choice. Right. And so how do you, how, if, if I want to be involved or if I want to get involved, what would you encourage people to do as they take that step of involvement or encouragement in that? Sure. So if you're a school or a school leader or an educator, the best way to get involved now is to use School Choice Week as an opportunity to promote to your community what makes your school unique. Because people need to know why they should choose your school. What are the benefits that you offer? Um, you know, celebrate your teachers, celebrate the success of your students, celebrate your school, whether it's online, through video, through an in-person or virtual event, you can do anything you want to celebrate School Choice Week. This is not political. It's not related to advocating for any legislation or bills or proposals whatsoever. It is about giving schools, as well as homeschool groups, an opportunity to promote to potential families what makes them unique and also to celebrate the effectiveness of individual schools. If you're a mom or dad and you're happy with your child's school, take to the internet and tell other families about it. Tell your school search and school choice story because you can be the inspiration for another mom or dad who hasn't yet got their school search process started. If you are a parent who is looking or wants to look or thinks just maybe in the back of your mind that you might wanna find a different school for your child, start now, start in January, don't wait because you will, as we said, find more options available to you. Check out the resources on our website or go to local school fairs and information sessions and open houses and events during School Choice Week. Well, I, lo I love your statement on celebrate your school because yeah. if, if at any point in time in, in my professional life over the last 23 years, I think in schools and educators, if you're happy and excited and encouraged about what they're doing in the life of your, your son or daughter, like they need to be celebrated too, and they need to be encouraged in this work. So I, I love that. Let, let me ask, let me ask this question from a parent's perspective, because I, I've, I've walked this journey with a lot of parents. What would be, and, and I know you've got the book and I'm going to, I'm going to tag that and make sure people have access to the book um, and the seven steps. But what is like a tip where when, when parents are walking this journey, that it's really a significant roadblock where, you know, I, I love your seven steps and it takes you through, it, it could take you through a college search process too. And I've done that with a lot of, a lot of students over the years. And, you know, so there's wisdom and thoughtfulness in there and there's some really deep encouragement to follow. But what's a, what's a tip that you've seen that gets a lot of parents stuck or inhibits them from getting started? The biggest barrier that families experience is a lack of confidence in their own expertise. And what I want moms and dads to know is this, when it comes to your child, you are the expert. Nobody knows more about your child than you do. You know what your child's strengths and weaknesses and interests are. You know what your child's challenges are. You know the types of environments, educational or not, where your child has thrived and also where your child has faltered. So don't let the fact that there's jargon and education gobbledygook speak get you down. Don't let it be the barrier because I'll tell you what, I've worked in education for a billion years now. I think it's 16, 17, I don't know how many years. And there are still terms I run across 
that I don't understand and that frankly shouldn't exist because for something that reaches everybody's life, education is filled with um, lots of jargon, lots of buzzwords. And if you're a parent and you're going through this, remember, you don't need an advanced degree, a degree. You don't even have to have graduated from high school to be able to figure out how to choose a school for your child. You need to put front and center what you know about your daughter or son and what their needs are and your family's needs. You need to visit schools in person. Look at all of your options. Don't write off choices because you think they are unattainable. You never know when a scholarship might be available or a waiver is available. You never know. So look into them all. And finally, again, give yourself enough time. 47% of the parents who looked for schools last year for their kids told us in a survey that we just did a few days ago that they wish they had more time to consider all their options. So, so the question I was going to ask you next was, was even that idea of what can schools do to help bridge the gap for parents? But I think you kind of answered it for me. It's like, be accessible, be available, and then make sure that your language, even the language that you use or how you explain what you do as a school is accessible. But, but is there something in that that you would encourage a school to say, hey, share your story, get connected, and, and, and is there a tip in there to help schools bridge that gap too? Yes. Yeah, so the tip I have for schools is invite parents in and explain to them what you do and why you do it. And if you're referring to things that are using education terminology or jargon, explain how the language you're using and the curriculum you're discussing or the uh, approach you utilize plays out in the classroom in a practical way. So be as specific as you can so that parents understand how a concept transitions into reality for their child. Be willing to answer all questions that parents have. And I know educators do this anyway, but it bears repeating because there is no such thing as a stupid question and parents shouldn't be afraid to ask questions as well. And the other advice I'd have for parents is when you're asking for advice from other moms and dads, ask specific questions that help you get an answer uh, as to how a school would be a good fit for your child. So instead of just asking for a pro or con review, ask how the school handled something that matters to you. So for example, if you had a situation where your child was in a school and you felt there was far too much homework and it was a massive demotivator for your child, ask another parent if they could describe how the homework was given out and the level of time or the amount of time it took to complete. Ask the parent to describe if you care about discipline, how they interacted with teachers and administrators related to the discipline policy. Ask for specifics so that you can collect information, not just um, reinforce your own view or try to um, try to con uh, contradict what you already think. Oh, I love that advice because I think that's so often what what parents miss, what students miss is that why did you love it? And then, you know, and then tell me about and how did and in those types of questions, rather than just getting the, hey, did you have a great experience or not? And, you know, and then so you get the, the variety of, of answers all over the place that that aren't as informative. So, yeah, and exactly. And, and you know, um, 
The other thing I would say about that, not not to cut you off, this is your podcast, uh, <laughs> but you know, asking those questions and, and parents are worried. They're worried about being judged by other parents and by people in their community if they make the quote unquote wrong choice. So the other thing I tell parents, and we we studied this, we researched this, a huge percentage of families said that one of the biggest concerns they had was being judged by other parents. You have to put your child first. Doesn't matter what other people think. What matters is that you feel you're doing the right thing and you have to trust yourself and always put that front and center. And all the worksheets that are in my book are available completely for free on our website, schoolchoiceweek.com. So you can go through those um, steps without having bought the book. And I encourage families to do that because we don't want cost to ever be a barrier to getting information. And that's perfect. And we'll make sure that that's linked. And, and it was well, just maybe one last tidbit or one last thing. Um, because you talk about, you know what, parents are worried about making the wrong choice, the wrong decision. Um, and then you talk about, Hey, what's right. I, I think one of the things that I'm wondering about is how do you rest in the fact that if you do your work, that you know what, you're making the best choice for your kid? That is the toughest part of all this, aside from getting started. And that is the ultimate decision. When you sit down and you evaluate your options, some parents trust their gut, some parents go with a more analytical approach. And when it comes to that, I leave it up to families to decide how they make the decision because everybody's decision-making process in terms of that ultimate decision is their own. You have to feel a level of comfort. You're never gonna feel 100% comfortable with anything. And you have to recognize that there is a possibility that you will make the best possible choice based on all the information you have, and it still might not be the perfect environment, but you can make a change and you have to monitor and you have to stay involved so that once you make that choice, you can help advance your child's success in the school you ultimately choose. And, and I love it. And you point out on your website and in some of your work that that parent engagement rates go way up when they have more of a choice. Yes. And this is one of those chicken or the egg things, because we hear a lot in education, when we have these discussions about the quality of education and whether or not um, education, like if a school is not succeeding as well as it should, whether or not that's the fault of uh, the school, whether or not that's the fault of parents. And you hear some people say, well, you know, education uh, results, academic achievement would be better if parents were more involved. And I always say, yeah, I understand that. That's a good talking point. But if you don't give parents choices, at the beginning of the process, how their kids get educated, where they go to school, you can't then automatically blame them for not being involved later on when they were told from the beginning, don't get involved, we know better. So I want parents to be involved from the very start of this process until the day their kids graduate. And a lot of that involves communication, not just complaining, um, communicating with teachers in a productive way about your child's success, about the things your child is struggling with, and be the person who is there to support the teachers when they need to do an intervention. And I don't mean that in a really dramatic way, but like if your child is struggling with reading, you and the teacher wanna intervene to help your child. Don't wait until it's too late. So have a constant flow of information and communication with a teacher or an administrator throughout the school year so that you can get ahead of potential problems before they become really difficult to mitigate. 
I love it. I love it because I think that's the view that, you know, it's, it's such a challenge is that partnership, right? That as a community and as professionals, you know, I, I've always been blessed to be trusted in my work but there is, I need the help of the parents and we need to do the work together with the student. And, and so it is a blessing when you do have that engagement and that partnership um, in, in that work. And that's where the real good stuff happens that I've discovered. So Andrew, this is amazing. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your time. And I look forward to National School Choice Week. I'm all in, involved. So look for the, the, the red and yellow too from me. Awesome. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for having me on. I've really enjoyed it.